0: Hello, and welcome back to Now Screaming, episode 35. I'm Evan Culbertson. And I'm Liz Smart. And we're watching all the horror movies currently streaming on Netflix. So you don't have to. Can you believe we've been doing this podcast for one whole year? A whole
1: year! When this airs, it'll be the 365th day of us having this podcast, because the next day will be our our anniversary. That's wild. I know. It's nice, though. It's been a good year. I think so, too. We watched some... uh, not good movies and some good movies. Mostly bad. I wish that the ratio was closer to even, but it's sadly not.
0: I've found it to be an entertaining experience.
1: I agree. And I think that like it's made me appreciate the good ones more and I feel like it's giving me giving me like a better sense of how to talk about movies. Yeah. After seeing what went wrong. Plus I love dishing about stuff that I hate
0: with you. Oh yeah. <laughs> Hopefully, it's been uh, it's been fun for the listeners. I hope
1: so. I hope some people have gotten good recommendations out of this.
0: We're only going up in in year number two. Yeah. So this week we called our shot, and we're going to be talking about the nineteen ninety four horror film Wes Craven's New Nightmare.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it's an interesting disparity where it's listed Wes Craven's New Nightmare versus just calling it New Nightmare.
0: I believe the official title is Wes Craven's New Nightmare. It His absolutely is. His name is supposed to be in there. Yeah,
1: because that's what Netflix has, and I think Netflix will, would have the correct one, but it's just New Nightmare on uh, IMDb and Letterboxd, which I found a little bit, like, I wasn't thrilled by that. I was like, it's Wes Craven's New Nightmare.
0: Give the man some credit. Yeah. For once. Seriously, he's in this movie. He is. So before we get into talking about this, we are going to talk about lots and lots of stuff about this, but before we dive into spoiler territory... Um, Again, we picked this of our own volition. (laughs) We both love it. Yes. Uh, And we highly recommend that the viewer watch it. It is the. Absolutely. If you're listening to this and you have no idea what we're talking about, it is the seventh film in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. Uh, It came out 10 years after the first one, and it's plot related. Yes. (laughs) It is the only other Nightmare on Elm Street film to be directed by Wes Craven himself.
1: It reflects that.
0: So you should watch it. If you definitely have seen Nightmare on Elm Street, slash...
1: If you haven't, go watch Nightmare on Elm Street and, and then, then watch, watch New this. Nightmare. Yeah. I think that's actually what I did last year when we watched New Nightmare together. The first time we watched the first Nightmare on Elm Street, which I'd seen before, but not in a while, and then watched New Nightmare. And that is a great way to do it. I hugely recommend that because it's really fun. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of like s- referential stuff that uh, makes watching the first Nightmare on Elm Street before you watch this like an
0: excellent thing to do. If you're not going to stop and go watch this movie, then uh, we're going to start talking about it. So we should probably do a quick recap, given that we're jumping in on film number seven. Yeah, these movies are about a uh, man who is also a spirit named Freddy Krueger. <laughs> Freddy Krueger, who was a man, and he was murdered mm-hmm. because he was an evil man.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I really don't want to talk about the plot of Nightmare on Elm Street. He's
1: got he's got like a burned head.
0: Yeah, so he was murdered. And he has
1: um. What do they call them in Scream? Razor hands. I feel like there isn't like a a set term, but that's what they call them in Scream, and that's what I've always clung to.
0: I hope that everyone knows what he looks like. I'm more talking about his his (laughs) place. He's got a
1: sweater and a hat. We all know.
0: (laughs) All right. He lives in dreams, and he kills you in your dreams, and then you die for real. Um... That is, the, that is the premise of this franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, this is the seventh one. I'd like to read out the titles of these movies so you oh know how Ooh. we got here. Settle in. Because uh, how we got here is very important for this film. So A Nightmare on Elm Street, uh, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge, A Nightmare on Elm Street 3, Dream Warriors, A Nightmare on Elm Street 4, The Dream Master, mm-hmm. A Nightmare on Elm Street 5, The Dream Child, Freddy's Dead, The Final Nightmare, and then Wes Craven's New Nightmare. So uh, before this, the previous entry was in 1991, three years prior, in which Freddy Krueger was killed off for real. Uh, they had intended him to to be dead and this to be the end of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that movie was extremely poorly received. <laughs> Basically, everyone felt like the franchise had really jumped the shark. Um, this doesn't mean a lot if you've only seen the first and last one, but in the Nightmare on Elm Street sequels, uh, Freddy Krueger becomes such a, like, wisecracking, over-the-top character. (laughs) Uh, Wes refers to that iteration as Burlesque Freddy. (laughs) Um, It is
1: funny. I don't remember him
0: being so uh, campy in
1: Nightmare on Elm Street, the original. Mm
0: -hmm. He's not. He's not in the original. He doesn't talk a lot, and he's pretty scary. And in this, he's pretty scary. And there are quips, but it's not nearly... It's
1: it's really different. It's in a different way.
0: He's very dark in this one as well. But that's
1: so purposeful.
0: And I want to talk about... Freddie's in this movie, both in design and um in the narrative a little later. Uh but this was like def this movie definitely gets away from uh where the franchise had gone. So the gist of what happened here is that in making the original Nightmare on Elm Street, Wes Craven had to uh give up some of the rights to the Freddy Krueger character Bob Shea, who founded New Line Cinema and who also appears in this film in this movie. was uh integral to the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, and like actually getting it off the ground when it didn't seem like it was going to work. And of course, the original was was such a huge hit. Um, and they wanted to make more. And Wes Craven didn't really want there to be more movies. But he didn't have any say in it. He ended up... Wes Craven wrote the script, or at least the first draft of the script, for the third film, which incidentally also has Heather Langenkamp as right. Nancy. Yeah. Um, but apparently was very disappointed in the way that this this franchise had turned out um without him. West Craven has explained basically that Bob Shay, again, producer CEO of Newland Cinema had reached out to Wes and was like, "Hey, I've heard you talk about the fact that you're not satisfied with how things have gone on the business side of this franchise for the past 10 years. Um, you know, just wanted to to talk to you, reach out to you, negotiate maybe getting you the rights back. Um, and then maybe if you're interested in doing something with this franchise, we can work together on that." And Wes was like, "Actually, I have an idea. Maybe I can do something with this. Um, thanks for trying to <laughs>
1: give me the okay. <laughs> yeah,
0: rebuild this bridge." Um, and there's, I mean, there's a lot of like behind the scenes stuff that led to, to this getting made, but it's, it's, it's back in the hands of of Wes Craven. He has an, an idea he wants to run with,
1: and what an idea it
0: is! And what an idea! So uh, this is an extremely meta horror movie.
1: Yeah, I was just sitting here thinking while you were talking about that, like just <laughs> the idea of Wes saying, oh, "Well, I have an idea," and it is it's it's just such an idea, mm-hmm. and it's so reflective of the the mind of Wes Craven. Like, yeah. it's I am just sitting here thinking, like, about how it's it's one of the movies that is so reflective of his genius. Yes and how much he thinks about horror and how he thinks about stories and the way that horror plays with storytelling and and what we give life to when we talk about things, which is, I think is a fascinating concept um, that we'll, we'll get into more as we talk about the movie. But it's something that, like, you watch this movie, and I personally have been sitting there thinking about it for, like, a couple days of just, like, what does this mean? like what is like what does this say about monsters? what is like what it he just had so much to say about about how monsters get created and how they die and it's it's so fascinating.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I fully agree. We'll get we'll get into that. yeah. Um, I think the other thing to note before we start talking about what's what's going on in this movie is that this is two years before Scream. Um, and then of course, as we mentioned on our first episode, Scream 2 came out the year after Scream. Somehow. <laughs> so we're talking in three years, this man releases New Nightmare, Scream, and Scream 2. 2, 2. Wow. Uh, And just like, again, like... Has, All of which incredibly, like... Has totally reinvented the horror genre. The horror
1: genre and um, how we talk about it, absolutely.
0: But New Nightmare, like Scream, is very much about uh, the film industry yeah. and how horror movies affect people and how, the, the, like, the recursive loop of horror movies in one way or another making their impact in real life and then Mm -hmm. real life horrors uh, being played out to reflect horror movies. And not
1: even in like a, what's the word, like political way, the way that people talk about like, oh, horror movies, like they make people violent or they make people, they inspire serial killers. Like that specifically is what Wes is working against. Like he never wants you to think that that's the point of his
0: movies. It's it's at the point, but I think that that conversation is something he's very interested in. Exactly,
1: but he I feel like we always kind of come down, like especially in Scream 2 and Scream 3, that like, that's never really the point of it, right? It's it's different ways in which the film
0: industry... It's more complicated than than just addressing that head-on. I also think, I mean, it's worth... I don't remember if I've ever brought this up or not, but like Wes Craven is probably one of the best equipped people to talk about this meta conversation about how horror movies affect people because... His first movie was The Last House on the Left, which is a, like, complicated, messy, political, Mm -hmm. like, statement, but is totally, like, the the movie's legacy is wrapped up in the, like, rape-revenge aspect of it and how notorious it is and how notorious it's become for being so controversial. And the fact that, like, Wes Craven was saddled with that out of the gate is, like... He is... He could never escape this conversation. Well,
1: I just think it's so interesting. And this is, like, a larger conversation. But the, I, the first Wes Craven properties I saw were Scream. So, of course, my thought immediately was just like, oh, this is a person who wants to talk about horror movies and all these different things. The realization that I had that Fre- that um, Wes Craven, like, is not only a person who wants to talk about the genre, but is a... Like, he cr- helped create the genre, that he invented Freddy Krueger, and, like... <laughs> and the Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left, like those that that he not only wants to like then in the 90s and the 2000s like discuss what he in fact helped create in yeah. the 80s is like unbelievable to me. Like that is that is sh- I mean we thank him
0: every episode, I know. but
1: like he really did that. <laughs> he he set it all up and then he wanted to deconstruct it, and that is so amazing and interesting to me.
0: There really aren't many. I mean. We should move on to the movie, but there, <laughs> there really aren't many, uh, figures in, in art like Wes Craven. I mean, I'm, we're, we're talking, like, Picasso and Miles Davis and, like, artists mm-hmm. who, who established something and then deconstructed, deconstructed and yeah. subverted it and then moved on to new territory that no one else was, see- like... I'm going to start crying. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. All right. So, Wes Craven's New Nightmare, um... Again, if you made it this far, then we're not going to worry about spoilers. <laughs> uh, and I don't think we're going to totally recap the plot, but the the gist of what it's about is Heather Langenkamp is an actress who plays Nancy Thompson in the first Nightmare on Elm Street and the third and the one. Third. Um, and she appears in this movie as herself. Uh, lots of people in this movie appear as themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, it's about her going through some some troubles with her husband and her son, Dylan, her husband's Chase. Um, They're not playing themselves, they're actors. Uh, (laughs) Around the same time that uh, New Line Cinema and Wes Craven are trying to get in touch with her about making a new um, Freddy Krueger movie, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's like... there's a lot of
1: suspicious events that are alongside of it, like she's been getting these suspicious phone calls from... Harassment. Harassment, harassing phone calls from somebody who is, like, she imagines, like, pretending to be Freddy, singing the Freddy song to her, and...
0: Was song. the Freddy
1: song? What is it? What, what's the song? The Nightmare song, whatever it's called. One two Freddy's coming. One two for Freddy's coming for you. The whole song, um, and whispering to her and doing other creepy stuff, and she just assumes it's a stalker, and she's having all these weird dreams, and it all kind of slots in with this discussion of the of this new movie mm-hmm. being made.
0: But on a service level, it's like that's really what it's about. It's about her as an actress and her having a hard time spe- specifically with her son. Her son is mm-hmm. acting very strangely and um again, this is all wrapped up in the the plot of the movie of like yes, Freddy Krueger is involved in this. Yeah. But at the same time, like there's a there's a level of this movie that's just like an actress and her mom having a real hard time and Yeah,
1: cuz the, the the parts of it that are not horror were also really sad to mm-hmm. me. We'll discuss them later, but there's a whole kind of, like, plot of D- Dylan, like, there being a danger of him being taken away from her, mm-hmm. which is, like, on a different level, you know? Like, yeah. that's that's not, like, the horror aspect of, like, Freddy's gonna get him. It's, like, this hospital thinks that she's an abusive mother, and that's always... That's something I think that happens a lot in horror. I wrote that down, like, yeah. that's something that happens in The Sixth Sense, and it happens in The Babadook, probably. Yeah. But just things like, you know, horror getting in the way of parents trying to do their jobs and it's it's always a really like upsetting storyline whenever that
0: happens. I mean, because we're not going to do a traditional plot recap, I kind of want to continue with that line of thinking real quick. Mm-hmm. Um, so so just to explain is is what's happened is uh, Heather is having a lot of visions of Freddy and Dylan is acting strangely,
1: having like seizure eyes yeah, kind he's of He's having seizures
0: and he's in the hospital. And at this point Nancy has become convinced that Freddie... I don't remember if she's uh, if she's talked to Wes Craven about this yet. That's the best thing in the movie. I think, Yeah, she goes to the hospital where Dylan is because after the seizure and is trying to make sure that he doesn't sleep. And the babysitter's there, and he, and she's she's just frantic and so haggard, yeah. trying to make sure that Dylan doesn't sleep. And she's
1: shrieking about Freddie, which because just makes her again, sound, yeah. the
0: character of Freddy Krueger in these films comes to you and kills you in your sleep. And yeah. she's so worried about her son.
1: And he's been saying things, like,
0: he's he's talking about,
1: and he's talking about Freddie in a way that he couldn't just get from the movies, and she's especially, like, she makes a big point of, like, she's never shown him these movies, but, like, picture the actress who has consistently played, you know, Nancy in these films, coming into your hospital and yelling about how her son can't sleep because Freddie's gonna get him, like... it's crazy. You're not gonna think, oh yeah, probably for sure.
0: But this is what I'm talking about. Like, this is complicated for us as viewers because we know that, because we can trust the doctors, that like, her not letting her child sleep is probably killing him. Yeah. And like, we do not want her to continue to hurt her child. Right. But we but know we she's, know that if he sleeps, she's right. Yeah, Freddie like, is gonna
1: get him for uh, sure.
0: <laughs> I think. I, I mean, again. I think that, like, this this threat, this trope, which isn't just in horror, um, but this trope of, like, parents being taken away from their children, I think that's what gets us solidly on Heather's side, is because, like, we never want that. Like, that's that's not the outcome we want. We know that, like, Heather's a good mom. Yeah, and, and that
1: this is 100% his really, fault. <laughs> she's not, well,
0: she's not behaving the best, like, she's not being no, the best but mom right like, now. like, how
1: do you? How, like, we, we don't see it in horror because it doesn't really exist. Like, how do you remain a good parent in situations where... Like, yes, like, he, she looks it up in a book at some point, I think, when he's in the hospital, that, like, um, when you, when children don't sleep, it can actually present, like, schizophrenia. Yeah. And how, like, of course, she does not want that. She wants him to be healthy and to be, and to sleep. But, like, he can't? Yeah. Or else they will both die. Like, that's just how it is. And so the the horror of that, like, seeing it from this doctor's perspective and seeing it from... Like, poor Dylan's perspective of, like, he doesn't want to sleep, but he also wants to stop suffering. And <laughs> Like, yeah. how do you do that? Like, it's so hard. It's a, it's a really good, like, moral crisis of this movie.
0: I think we can transition to talking about some of the... There are many, like, great meta moments in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, she's... One of the first things she does... Uh, we should also say, in the background of this, that there's earthquakes... Um, yeah because And some it's of them yeah California and that's that happens to California mm-hmm. and you uh, can, we
1: know from context that they're like ramping up there's been many in the past few weeks even before this movie starts
0: but uh, one of the first things we see her do is she's going to an interview on a talk show and the limousine driver is like giving her a hard time saying like oh I love your movies you know uh they never should have killed Freddie off um, well, that's the other
1: thing we should talk about is that the, this is coming three years after they killed Freddie off in what's the, what's the movie called
0: Freddy's dead. The final. Nightmare. Freddy's Dead, the
1: final nightmare, and the movie New Nightmare reflects that history of Freddy's yeah. dead, and that's why that's why they're interviewing her to talk about like whether Freddy's really dead and how she feels about Freddy being dead and all these like cultural components. So yeah, that's
0: that's other complicated part of talking about this that we might stumble a bit because like it's true of any like meta film like this. The six previous f- Nightmare on Elm Street movies exist in this universe. This is not in the, st- the, the storyline of those movies, which, like, the, it's, not, it's not a right. canon it's our Nightmare on Elm Street story. This is our world. It's our world. It's our world. <laughs> in which that happened. And yeah. literally, in 1994, when this came out, there in 1994, three years prior, this last movie had come out, it's actually ten years after Nightmare on Elm which, Street had Speaking of
1: that, do you uh, know the... Because a component of this movie is that, like... There are so many fans of Freddie, and like when she goes on this talk show, there's just people in the audience with like signs saying, we love Freddie, Freddie lives, you know, this whole thing, and when, uh, in the middle of the interview, it's a surprise, Robert Englund comes out and... Who
0: plays Freddie Krueger Who plays Freddy Krueger in, in, in... the Nightmare on Elm Street movies. All the
1: movies. I think the only one he doesn't do it in is the 2010... The remake. Remake. Um, reboot, whatever. And but he comes out dressed as Freddy, and the crowd just goes wild. And watching it, I was like, "Is that? Did that really happen, or was that kind of like hyped up for this movie? This like Nightmare on Elm Street fervor?"
0: Well, I think it it, it is a little hyped up because it's. There's another line later uh, that made me laugh, which is uh, Heather says something to the effect of oh, well, every kid knows who Freddy is. He's like Santa Claus or King Kong.
1: Yeah. Like, All right, Wes. Is he really? Wes, your character
0: <laughs> is not that ubiquitous. Come on.
1: He might, he is pretty big, though. And that's the thing that's sure. interesting is that, like, Freddy Krueger is also, because now, I don't know if this was in 94, but now he's not just, he's not just of the Nightmare movies. Is that like he was in Freddy versus Jason? And he's a character in that, New
0: stupid Ready, player, ready one. player
1: One movie. Like he is has become like a cultural icon, separate of like. If you've never seen any of the Nightmare movies, you know who Freddy Krueger is. You
0: know what you know he looks like but with so the sweater has, and the hat. So has Jason Voorhees.
1: Ex- no, I'm I'm saying they both they both have. That's why Freddy versus Jason is what it is because they're both icons. Um, but my question is more yeah. that like
0: to answer your question. Yeah, uh, I don't really think so. Again, the pr- the previous one was so poorly received. Um, mm-hmm. That I think people were were ready to be to be done. There are always going to be fans of any franchise yeah. that are like fervently wanting more,
1: but probably not this whole like studio audience of this talk show.
0: Maybe though, if those are the people who showed up who knew that Robert England and Heather Langenkamp were going to be there, they might have. Maybe that's you know, fair. That's fair. There are rabid enough fans for literally everything, but no, I think that the popular opinion was like. It's probably good that, that right, this is bye, like the rest. All right,
1: bye, Freddie. That's enough.
0: <laughs> I mean, again, like that was probably Bob Shay's opinion, and that he was like, "I should reach out to Wes and see uh, if see we what's can up."
1: Fix this problem.
0: The uh, so yeah, she's she's on this talk show, and she's being like, you know, feet to the fire on um, letting kids watch. Horror movies, letting her
1: son be around Robert yeah. England,
0: yeah, uh, and Robert England, who then comes out in like full makeup, doing again as Wes Craven calls it, burlesque Freddy, the campy thing, yeah, 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 yeah the yeah, very yeah. like silly kind of over the. I'm top. gonna
1: come for your children. Yeah, oh, yeah. It's me. I'm Freddy.
0: Um, and she's also talking about another, just sort of side note that she has like moved on to doing TV and is no longer interested in doing horror movies. Mm-hmm. Um, Heather Langenkamp, real Heather Langenkamp, not the character. Had, like, gone on to do Growing Pains, <laughs> and she was on a spin-off of Growing Pains called Just the Ten of Us? I don't know. I've never, never heard of it. I've never heard of, of these it. things. Only 90s kids will remember. <laughs> and actually, she got, like, th- threats, like, th- I think letters, when Just the Ten of Us was canceled, um, that, like, are the basis for the threatening phone calls in this. For like,
1: real? About, like, nightmare stuff?
0: Uh... About, like, how, why is Just the Ten of Us over? I loved it so much. That is so <laughs> crazy. And, and Wes was like, let's let's work this. Let's use this. Let's use your real-life terrors oh in this God. movie. Oh, my God. The meta never ends. So, yeah, and then, again, um, there's a lot of interactions with the the people. I mean, Robert Shea, mm-hmm. um, she goes to talk to, and he's like, hey, you know, Wes has another idea, and she's like, I thought Wes wasn't doing horror movies anymore, which is confusing. That's
1: definitely not real. <laughs> yeah,
0: because like, people under the stairs was like a couple years before this. Yeah, like he was still doing horror. Yeah, I
1: think I think that's that's specifically like kind of a fake out. There's a lot that's like kind of quote unquote real in this movie, but there's a lot that isn't. Yeah, and that's something specifically that like they're creating a narrative trail leading to why this why this new movie, the one they're talking about in the in new nightmare. The meta
0: movie that Wait, they're talking about. Let's call let's call that um, Nightmare on Elm Street Seven. Okay. This, sure, New sure. Nightmare sure. isn't called that, right? But,
1: you know the the Nightmare on Elm Street Seven that they're talking about. There is a reason that that is being created now, and it's not just making more money or because they want to reboot the franchise. There's a specific plot reason that Wes is trying to get this movie made.
0: Yeah, we'll save our conversation about that because that is probably my favorite part of the movie. It's 100% um,
1: the best part.
0: But no, she yeah, she talks to Bob Shay, she talks to Robert England, she calls him on the phone. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, were the two um, friends of Chase were, I think they were playing themselves too, weren't no, they? No, they're
0: not real. So, so not... Um, her husband Chase is We haven't even talked about him much cuz he dies very quickly. Um, is a, a prop guy, a props engineer, um, more of a technician than like a like an artist. Uh, yeah. He works with like the mechanics of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um he has two other friends who had worked on the Nightmare on Elm Street films. They end up dying as well. They're characters. They're not real. Um,
1: I'm trying to think of who else, was, uh, um, who else I well, saw John on Saxon, who
0: plays Nancy's dad in the original, is He's in this in movie. He's a friend of hers. As John Saxon, yeah. Um, Robert Englund plays himself excellently. Uh, Very West... well. He
1: does a lot of. I really want to know how close these people are to themselves. Wes doesn't really have like a character in this like he is probably playing mostly like listen quote unquote himself
0: Wes is acting in this is very good
1: that's what I'm saying but but it's not it's not like you know how like if a director was going to be in their own movie they could kind of change themselves or play themselves up or like isn't there a movie there's a movie I'm thinking of where somebody plays themselves and they specifically play themselves as an asshole so they're like not they're they're, they're not trying to play themselves they're trying to play like an exaggerated funny version of themselves mm-hmm. Wes is not doing that here. Wes is just, like, he's just being himself. And I wondered if Robert Englund was playing... Because there's certain points where he's, like, he's in his house and he's, like, painting all of these terrifying, horrible, yeah. like, paintings of Freddie and, like, people screaming. And he's always wearing, like, very 90s, like, circle shades. He looks
0: like, um... Ringo Starr? Yeah,
1: Ringo Starr, like, in, like, he's, like, looks like he's, like, psychedelic pop 60s stuff. Um, so I, I was, like, I'm assuming that's, like, not who Robert Englund actually very, is.
0: Very much. I think that's very much, like, a character. Um, I think he's awesome, though. I think he's, like... He's great. Because, and again, we'll talk about Freddie in a minute, but, like, Freddie in this is so fucking scary and so upsetting every time he's on screen and then Robert is so goofy. <laughs> like
1: Yeah. There's a really good separation of him. like, And it is Robert Englund playing Freddy mm. when he's playing him, which is also really cool yeah. meta-wise, that like you see him and he's so not Freddy and Heather talks to him and is like, you know, they're friends. But then it is still that actor who plays the horrifying, terrible yeah. Freddy, who we see. It's just, it's, it's all awesome. so it's awesome. good.
0: All, honestly, all the acting in this movie is really good. We can just talk about the acting, because the kid who plays Dylan uh best. Mike think, Hughes is his name. Is the creepy kid from Pet Cemetery?
1: Who like he he's not like he doesn't do a lot of emotional acting, but what he's really good at and he does it so well in both Pet Cemetery and this is he's really good at doing like a really creepy voice. Yeah. He does this raspy like never sleep again. That is so terrifying. Yeah. And it like and I remember that in Pet Cemetery, he had this really scary giggle, and I was like, "Why is this kid so good at being scary? He's got it down. He really does. And he has this horrible, like, face that he contorts his face into when he's scared. He's really good at screaming. Screaming is like a really tough thing in horror, actually. And he's especially really for good at it. Yeah, he's got it. It's very like haunting.
0: <laughs> and while we're at it, do you want to talk about uh, Heather Langenkamp playing herself? Because I mean, it kind of goes without saying sure. as we're like trying to identify it, but like I think that Heather's acting in this is superb, just like, just like amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, I love. There are so many parallels. It's hard to talk about this. When I was writing my notes, I was like even struggling. Like Nancy Thompson is a great character. Uh, I love her. I love her so much. Um, Heather Langenkamp is. Not playing Nancy in this movie. She's playing. Yeah, she's playing a different person, a, a version of herself. Yeah. But like the the parallels between them are like so strong. Specifically, the thing that comes to mind is that like I think that especially in this, Heather is always acting very rationally. She gets upset and worried about the things that she should be worried about. Mm-hmm.
1: Um. She, she talks about how like the police have this running list of the times that they call. Yeah. So she's like already been in contact. She's not trying to brush things off.
0: She takes
1: things very seriously. She's handling
0: her shit. Everything goes wrong with her son. She's, like, very attentive to and is, like... She doesn't overreact, I don't think. Mm-hmm. She just, like, you know... At the point in which your child is, like, collapsing and foaming at the mouth, right after... The night... Like, the morning after he tried to, like, kill you with, like, knives taped to his fingers, uh, now's the time to take him to the fucking hospital, right? Mm-hmm. Not before when he was just being weird. I think that, like, that is what... You're we're- just
1: saying that. I'm like, I don't know what's real in this movie. We need to talk about that, too. <laughs>
0: That was a dream. Um <laughs> It's very complicated. Yeah. Uh but I, I think that like she's she's so natural and she's so again, strong and smart. In the same yeah. ways that Nancy Thompson in the original it's, it's, is so smart. It's one of the greatest
1: of this movie when she's talking to Wes and Wes says something like you have to defeat him. Yeah. And she says, I'm not Nancy and he says, Yes, but you give Nancy her strength and I thought that was Such an interesting way of talking about actors portraying characters and how, like, what where does that separation exist? Mm -hmm. And how, like, he put Nancy on this page, but Heather Langenkamp is the person who Who brought her to life, who brought her to life and gives her that strength. The same thing you're talking about about Nancy having, like, she's smart and she's strong, and so is Heather, as the person portraying her and also in her real life.
0: Yeah, I think it's awesome. I think she's awesome. I love uh, everyone in this movie. They're, like all the performances are so good. Chase again, we're not talking about him very much. I'm sorry. Uh, we he can recap
1: very quickly. Let's
0: recap his death. He dies probably like 40, half an hour to 40 minutes in. He has to drive to Santa Clara somewhere else, somewhere three else. hours away. Yeah, to work props on some some film set for. He's gone a couple days. Um, the night he's gone, Dylan starts acting weird. Um, I think it's something with the babysitter. I don't remember. I don't remember. Either. But Nancy calls him and it's like, "Hey, can you come home? Um, I'm I'm really worried. I don't want to be alone during this." Again, a completely rational response.
1: Mm-hmm. And He's he like, is like, "Of course, yeah, of course, be there I'll be a I'll sec. be for you." Yeah.
0: drives home. He's tired. He falls asleep. He gets got by Freddie mm-hmm.
1: slash a very In, horrifying way.
0: I think the other the other thing about this that's interesting. Uh, do you want to talk about the horrifying way? Or no? Uh,
1: it, Freddy just comes up, like, you, you see the claws coming up right in between his, like, open legs in the seat. The car seat. The car seat, which is just, like, ugh, it just makes you feel bad inside. And then he gets, like, got-got in
0: the chest. But the complicated part of this, of course, is that, like, he didn't need to be killed by Freddy to die. He could just fall asleep behind the wheel on the highway and mm-hmm. he would still get in a car accident and probably die. Yeah. Um... But, like, no. Freddie makes a point of intervening. Like, not just letting him die. Freddie needs to come into his dream once he's fallen asleep uh, and and get him. And
1: stab him. And, of course, like, there's no feeling of, like, nobody gives any credence to, like, hey, this isn't what injuries look like from a car accident. But she tells them that. She's like, those are claw marks. And they're like, you know, car accidents, machinery.
0: Again, Heather is very smart. Yeah. Nobody else is. (laughs)
1: Nobody else cares. Um... This does lead into what I want to talk about a lot because I something I said, I wrote down pretty early in the movie. um, Actually, not pretty early in the movie, like an hour into the movie is that I and I don't want this to be perceived in a negative way because I think I I I believe everything I've been saying this whole episode so far that I love this movie. I think it's like really brilliant Um, that I was waiting for the first hour. uh, I kept waiting for it to start. And I think the reason that I feel this way is because the trope that gets used probably four times up to that point is the something terrible is happening and then Heather wakes up, you know, in the middle of this terrible thing and then it's like, oh, it wasn't real. And that is typically used in horror probably like one or two times. Maybe, probably even just once. I think we talked about it in, um, what was that terrible? The Unborn. That's how they start the movie, right? You have something really horrifying happen, and then the person wakes up, and it wasn't real at all. And because that's a trope that I'm accustomed to, it happening so much in the first hour of this movie, and then having no sense of what is real and what isn't real, was very confusing to me. And it threw off my feelings of pacing, which I don't, I really do not think it's a bad thing. I think it's a like, again, part of the brilliance of this movie is that you end you end that first hour leading into when things start to get a bit more serious, not really knowing, like, what is real and what and what has happened and what hasn't happened because there's um the the time that with Chase is that like Chase is in the car, we see him drifting off, we see uh you know. The hand come up from the middle of the seat. He wakes up. The hand goes away. He falls asleep again. The hand comes up and stabs him. And then as he's being stabbed and you see the car go off the road, Heather wakes up. And you're like, oh, maybe that wasn't real. She, like, wakes up and falls off the couch. And then... But then all all of a sudden we see there's, you know... Cops at the door. Cops at the door. And they're like, your husband's dead. So then you're like, what is happening? And I think you mentioned it earlier. There's a point where she goes downstairs and in the middle of the night and Dylan has um, taped knives to his fingers and is trying to kill her and then she wakes up from that but then she goes downstairs and they have another thing and then she wakes up from that and, like, that's real but, like, did those other two things happen? There's a point where she wakes up twice from two different dreams. Yeah. And it's, like, so perplexing of, like, what... That's
0: the sequence where, not to get on, I don't want to break it down because we're not without... We can't review the tape. But... uh <laughs> That's where that's where Dylan's watching Nightmare on Elm Street on TV, and she unplugs it, and then he starts screaming, and then the-
1: No, that's really early in the movie. Freddie's that's tongue, like the first thing. Freddie's
0: tongue comes out and like licks her. No, he does it again. He
1: Cause... he screams when she unplugs it the second time? Yeah. Okay, well, like, I thought it was unplugged from that point. Oh, maybe. I don't think she unplugs it the second time. He screams for another reason, but yes, Freddie, that's when he's set up the, um, she's been getting these threatening letters in the mail that are yeah. all just letter, I mean, literal, single like, letters. single letters, and when, uh, and Dylan takes them out of the drawer and lays them out and they say, answer the phone. And so, and then the phone rings, and that's when the tongue comes out, and that's when he, like, foams the mouth and shakes him to the hospital.
0: Th- that's not a dream, though.
1: No, that's not a dream, but there's another point which where there's... Which is
0: crazy, because that's, like, the shit that Freddie does in dreams. Yes. But he's actually having... he's actually... actually having a seizure. Yes, and he which actually, means the tongue Nancy... actually comes out
1: of the phone. Nancy got her face licked. For real. <laughs> yeah, it's horrible. He goes, I touched him. It's, like, a horrible moment in this movie. Because uh, you don't have any explanation of what that means. There is no sense of, like, what is Freddie talking about? No, It's very, very... Horrible.
0: To your point, so you're you're, you're talking about. Yeah, like, I don't remember this... when
1: this was, but I wrote it down specifically because it's like there's there's a second waking up, that then also yeah. like it, it really gives you a like doesn't give you a sense of what is happening the,
0: uh, at all. The scream for beginning. It basically. is. <laughs> it's exactly like
1: that. You're like, what's real? Um, because because that's that's the thing that's so confusing, and it's also tough, right? Because of like Freddy killing you in a dream. If that's his power, there is this sense of like. I'll just wake up and it won't have been real. But, like, what is real? And what is he actually doing to you? Because sometimes she wakes up from things and the cuts are really on her arm, right? Like, those things do happen.
0: Yeah. So, like, an aspect of that is, like, again, when when Freddy kills you in the dream, like, he's actually going to kill you. The people who mm-hmm. die in these, like, weird ways in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise, like, it's actually happening to them. Mm-hmm. Um, He just has this power in the dream world. I think what you're saying, the the pacing... I'm going to set the the pacing thing aside for a second because I agree and disagree. Uh, But as far as, like, not knowing what's real, I totally agree. I think that's what this movie's playing with. It's very intentional for us to not know. Plus, the, like, actual backbone of Freddy's arc here is that he is entering the real world.
1: Yes, so we're playing with him entering and then going back and entering and going back. He is
0: slowly gaining power to his goal... it seems is to exist in our world mm-hmm. and leave the dream world um slash the fiction world. It's complicated but awesome. yeah,, uh, so like yes, like he can do things. he can start to influence the real world in ways that he previously could not. um as far as pacing goes, i I think that it stutters and stops and then goes and it it can get a little confusing. I would, I would say, yeah, of, like, where... Because, like, again, a whole stretch of the middle of this movie is just, honestly, Dylan acting weird, Heather talking to people about it. That's what I was gonna
1: say. A lot of, like, her driving around, because she talks to John uh, Saxon. Saxon. John Saxon. She talks to him at a playground before where Dylan does something weird. And she talks to Wes, and she talks to Robert on the phone. There's a lot of her trying to make sense of this. When nothing horrible is really happening. There's no horror.
0: Except in dreams.
1: I think even that long stretch, there isn't even really a lot of dream stuff happening. Okay. There's... I, what you're saying about her talking to people, because what Dylan does at the playground, you think it might be something related to that, but then it's not. It's just him grieving over his father. Right. It's like him, he gets up high on the playground structure, and is reaching his hands toward the sky, and it's something about God taking him, because Heather said something about... Well, he's trying to touch about, God. Yeah. Heather said something about, like... Um, do you have to be dead to see God? And she's like, no, you just have to, I don't know, want it, pray, do things like that. Uh, and, and Daddy's in Heaven, this whole kind of... So him doing that is not related to Freddy at all. It's only grief. And I think that's an important part of that movie also, is that like they're not only dealing with the horror of Freddy, they're dealing with the trauma of losing Chase as well. And yeah. that comes up with like when she talks to uh the nurses and doctors they're like oh have you let him watch your movies is that why he's so traumatized and she's like his father just died yeah. like please give this kid a break and me give me a break too
0: and i think again i think that like that's a thing that works about this that like some of this movie is pretty domestic and yeah. pretty like invested in how hard it is to parent and how hard it is to parent when bad things happen you're going through some shit yeah um and I think, like, that's a huge part of what makes this work, is that it's not all these, like, stunts and, and sequences in yeah. which outlandish things it's are
1: happening. It's not all, like, bloody, gory stuff.
0: Uh, in fact, a lot of it's not. Yeah. Um, a lot of it's very human and very, like, grounded. Mm-hmm. And, again, very upsetting. Yeah. And very effective.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I just said very a million times. Yeah. I mean, it's
1: very, <laughs> very, very. Uh, I think that, in regards to the pacing aspect of it, it's it's not... I don't think it's negative. I don't think it's... I don't think it's the stopping starting problem that I have. It's, it's more that I talk. I think I've talked about this before. I don't know if it's I've talked about it on the podcast, but um, there are like horror tropes that happen in horror movies of just trying to scare you a little bit before the big scares. Yeah, and this movie for a long time is that because that's what those dream sequences are like. Mm-hmm. Is they're like they're like little fake outs and where you think everything's okay, and it's just this idea of like. I kept getting whiplash because I kept expecting the next thing to be real. And then it was a dream again. Right. So it didn't just happen those first couple times and then all of a sudden it was real. It's like over and over and over again. And that just gives you, especially if you watch a lot of horror movies like you and I do, it's like you just get confused over... Because I I think at one point I stopped the movie to see where we were because to me it felt like we were still in the first 20 minutes. Right. You know? And I think that's effective. I don't think that's a bad thing. I think Mm -hmm. it's just, I think it's, it it messes up your feeling of like how far we are in the story and what's going to happen next. And that's what Wes is so good at is being like, you don't know where we are in this movie. (laughs) Right, exactly. Don't try to predict what's going to happen. I
0: agree. Let's talk about Mister Freddy Krueger um, in this movie. So, as we mentioned, he's a character who exists in this universe as a fictional character who has been in six movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so, all the backstory to him applies, of like him being, you know, child kidnapper and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but like the design of the Freddy that appears in this movie, as Freddy, as the antagonist of this film, is like visually super different from what he was before. It's a lot darker. Um, his, like, his face, which is, like, burned, uh, looks a lot, like, more, like, muscular and, like, skin. It looks, like, I guess just, like, more like...
1: As if he'd been skinned, not burned,
0: right? Uh, and and, and, there's huge gouges out of it. Mm -hmm. It just, it looks different. It looks, I guess, like, less, like, rubbery to me. Um, and his hand looks, like, much more, like, tendons. You can see tendons and stuff. Yes,
1: yes. It is really horrifying.
0: Um, And apparently that's more, that's, like, closer to Wes's original concept for him, um, and then it got sort of, like, diluted by the time that they made the first Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. um, which is interesting. And again, he's just, he's just very scary. He, he doesn't show up as himself a ton until, like, Act 3. Yeah. Um.
1: It's mostly just, like, you see the hand, or you see, like, glimpses of him or his or you voice. You hear his voice, yeah. Yeah, but not a lot of, like, actual, as an image.
0: Uh, but his, like... His growl is like, the way that he says things is just so upsetting. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's probably a good time to talk about what uh, he is. He is. Freddy Krueger, the antagonist of the film Wes Craven's New Nightmare is. So Heather goes to talk to Wes and is about like, About
1: this new script. I hear like that it. you're
0: working on Nightmare on Elm Street 7. Uh, What's why the deal? are you doing that? <laughs> you killed Freddy. Like, let him die. And he explains he says something to the effect of, um, you know, I had a my first real bad nightmare in ten years, uh, so I haven't had any good ideas. So and now I have this nightmare and then inspired this um script that he's working on. I think the other thing is that this the script that Wes is working on is in progress. And so they can't start production. So when Bob Shea is talking to Heather, he's like, Can we get you to play Nancy one more time in this? Um, I mean, we haven't started to work on the movie yet, but, you know... Can we get you to
1: sign off on I We're yeah. not going to do it without you, essentially.
0: Basically, yeah, yeah. The West really wants wants her to do it. So she goes talk to Wes. And...
1: I, I actually want to... I want to talk about this. I feel like I don't have a definitive, real grasp on what exactly he's saying, because I have an idea of what I think he's saying, but can I... I will I'll tell you what I think yeah. that he's saying. What he talks about is that there are monsters... In his script, by the way. This is like... It well yes they they're playing with this weird thing the whole time of like Wes is talking about a script and Heather is talking about real life and neither of them calls the other one on that yeah. they both have this weird understanding that they are that they are both talking about real life yeah but Wes is still positing it in the form of a script and he's saying that in the script there is this monster there are there are monsters in general and he's writing about this one in the script that
0: I might call them. Like an entity, entities like something beyond like just like a corporeal. Yes, thing. They're,
1: yeah, they're not physical. They're, they, they are, they are entities that become monsters of fiction, and are kept captive by the by people putting them into stories, yeah. and that they can escape when those stories um, end, or when they are banned, or when people stop reading them, or like listening to them is that kind of am explicitly, I on the right track
0: exclusively the the phrase he uses is that like the once the stories have died so right. like i think it's it's we could talk for hours about the about storytelling and about like uh oral tradition and the way that stories are disseminated but like mm-hmm. once people stop telling the story that keeps this entity captive that names and classifies this entity mm-hmm. it it ceases to be bound by it. And can and escape can into escape. the real world. He says, like, the genie's out of the bottle, yeah. basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so in this case, he's talking about his script. And again, we come to understand that this is what is happening to Heather. Now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it's like this entity was has, has been captured by the Nightmare on Elm Street films. So, like, the story of these films. Mm-hmm. And the story isn't being told anymore. So the only way to keep this entity captive is to keep telling the story, which is why he's making a new movie about it. Mm-hmm. So he's he's in the world of this of New Nightmare, Wes Craven is making a movie about needing to make a movie to capture... To capture Freddy so it's he so, doesn't get into
1: this real world.
0: So many levels.
1: And I... Th- that is just like, their, that whole conversation that they're sitting there talking about this, and it is so like, there's nothing else about it. It's just Wes Craven, the real Wes Craven, <laughs> sitting with Heather Langenkamp on a couch... And there's nothing incredibly, like...
0: Showy? Showy,
1: or, or I was going to even say creative. The only creative aspect is just the two of them having this conversation. And it is so... But but And despite that, it is the most gripping scene in the entire movie. Like, oh, yeah. It is just... You just want to sit there, and I just want to, like, Wes, keep going. Tell me more about, like, this concept of these monsters being trapped this way. Because I think that monsters and their relationship to storytelling is one of the most interesting things yeah. to talk about, like, in this world. Um, and I just think that, that like... It, is he saying that, like, this monster is Freddy Krueger or that it is only, like, pretending to be Freddy Krueger? Or, like, it's taken on Freddy's form yeah. for its own amusement or something like that? His, like
0: His explanation of it is basically it comes down to... Because it, it's also, like, it leads into the reason why Heather's being targeted. So, basically, like, in Wes's script... This uh, evil, this entity, is, like, ancient mm-hmm. and was dormant for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, and has, like, Freddy Krueger, the character of Freddy Krueger, is only um, the latest incarnation of it. Yeah. And he's just, simply the effect of, like, oh, well, it's, it's gotten used to being Freddy. So, like, it has it has mm-hmm. been in this form. It has been captured this way. And Ben, I guess, like... This evil has been mythologized as Freddy Krueger for 10 years. So it wants to continue being Freddy Krueger. Mm-hmm. And in the first Nightmare on Elm Street film, the the uh, point of capture, I guess, for this entity as Freddy, um, Nancy Thompson defeated Freddy Krueger. And so now this entity... Which is, I guess, technically nameless, uh right. is taking the form of Freddie Krueger. It knows itself as Freddie Krueger, kind of, and is trying to enter our reality. The story isn't being told, it isn't being bound anymore, and it's trying to enter our reality as Freddy Krueger because that's what it knows. And it also mm-hmm. knows that it has to go through Nancy to do that. Yeah. So it's like the last targeting Heather Lang yeah, And this is what lost the her. the comment you made earlier where she says, But I'm not Nancy. And he's like, Well, you you gave, you gave her, her the strength. Her the yeah. strength. So that's like so great. It's targeting you as a result of that.
1: Yeah. It's all just... It's so interesting. It kind of reminds me of... Um, tell me if I'm on the wrong track here, but it kind of reminds me of the monster from It. It's being, a... Being... Yeah. Having no name and no real form, and instead create, like creating itself to look like things that it finds kind of along the way. It's like, different. If, well... It's different cuz it's not about storytelling. But that's kind of what I'm picturing, what I'm picturing. It's like it's not like Freddy Krueger. It's not like Freddy Krueger came into existence as a monster and it's and it's actually Freddy. It's a, it's a separate monster who has taken on the like appearance and actions of Freddy.
0: Of the character of, of Fred Freddy Krueger yeah, yeah, yeah. who has his own backstory about being right. this uh to, like, killer of children, yeah, dreams, who yeah. became this dream monster. Mm-hmm. So, like the character that Wes Craven wrote in 1984, it has inhabited. Yes, right. But I think that you're not wrong. It's a thought that I had
1: because there's there's a. I hate to always. I, I'm sorry I bring up Supernatural constantly on this podcast, but I'm about to do it again. There's a monster in the first season of Supernatural that uh, is only created because people tell stories about it. And the way that you have to kill that monster is like it has to be like the. Do you remember this episode?
0: Yeah, uh, like, this is a trope I really like. I mean, we talked yeah. about it in the ABCs of Death episode. That like I really like the uh, what the uh, the segment you hated about the, the really loony one about these people creating these stupid ideas that leads to the apocalypse. That like oh uh,
1: yes, yeah, I yeah, love yeah, this yeah, trope yeah.
0: of yeah. storytellers causing I mean, not, not like explicitly like storytellers, no, but, but like, people by telling stories about stories. monsters yeah, yeah, yeah. are populating the world with fear. Mm-hmm. As a result. especially
1: like when it when it is like in this episode, it's something like. Um, pop culture, or what is it? Urban legends that create monsters, and it's only through the urban legends that the monsters can be defeated. And I, so I was, I wanted to make sure that I had a sense of like the difference between that thing and an ancient evil becoming a character because it like because the character has, I don't know, right? Again, things that it likes. I guess. Again,
0: I think that like the. The interesting aspect of that is, like, Freddy Krueger, the character in the six previous Nightmare films, like, does take on the forms of other things mm-hmm. in order to entrap people in their dreams. The way the dreams are very surreal and that are very malleable. So Freddy Krueger will become... Mm-hmm. I mean, at the end of the first movie, he's a car, you know, that right. they're, they're trapped to drive away. <laughs> yeah, yeah, So, like, I... That is, like, an aspect that is brought up in the, the dream world that Freddy Krueger inhabits versus something like It that doesn't have the metafiction. Mm-hmm. Um...
1: Well, yeah, it's the story aspect that's very different.
0: But I I agree that there's like a comparison to be drawn there. Mm-hmm. I think what's most baffling, I guess to me, I still don't know is are we to assume that Wes Craven in the movie, the character of Wes Craven is making this so because or is like is what making he's making what? Is what he's describing about this ancient evil who is um being bound up in storytelling? Was this was this happening? Was this Evil trying to get out before he started writing a script about it, is the question. I think... or did he have the idea that this no. is happening and write a script to try to prevent it?
1: No, I think that it has to be that it was already happening and he wrote the script to try to prevent it because he had the nightmare. I think that the idea is not that like he had just a regular old West Craven nightmare. It's that he had an ni- he had a nightmare about this character, the character, or the, not the character, the the real Freddy Krueger, the one who's going to come and kill them in this movie the The monster even discussing, yes. he k- started getting more power once Freddy died, in the movie, the can- in like the canon of the movies. Mm-hmm. So that's when he started gaining power because he's like, haha, I'm not captured anymore. He came to Wes in like a dream, and then Wes started working to prevent that. And it's, it, I think it, the the we'll get into this also the most interesting thing of. Interesting part that we then find out at the very end of the movie is that Wes has been writing this he's been writing life. He's been writing a script and everything that he writes is happening, or everything that is happening he writes. We don't know really which comes first or second.
0: I'll be totally honest, I think it's the the probably the only part of this movie that if you think about it too hard, it unravels. Right. It's it's frustrating <laughs> because like it's not meant to be interrogated too much, I don't think. It's most supposed to be like, oh, like at the end of the movie, I, I don't think we're supposed because like it's complicated. I it's no, complicated. No, no, no. I don't think we're supposed to think of this movie as predestination throughout. Like that seems.
1: No, but we don't know how things are happening. We don't know if he he could be writing simultaneously, but somehow he is getting the information. We see he
0: is because on his computer screen, we see the like when uh, Heather leaves his office, we see him lean on his computer, and his computer screen has the end of their conversation.
1: Right. So he did write that before she showed up. But we don't know that's been happening the whole time. We don't... I don't think it's supposed to come across like Wes Craven is magic and that he can like... He knows everything that's going to happen before it's going to happen. He's literally
0: just like the elemist, like just...
1: Yeah, because that gives him too much power, right? It's not... He's not the arbiter. He is just like... He's on this ride along, along with everybody else the same way that they all are. Like he is not creating this problem. And he's not... I don't know. There's just... it's. I don't think he's supposed to have that much like...
0: Agency. I don't think so either. It's, co- so, again, it's really that's why I, complicated. That's why I think that, like, if you press down on it too hard, it's going to break. <laughs> like,
1: But not in a bad way. I don't think it's in a it bad way. It doesn't need way. to.
0: It's a fucking movie. And, it, like, this knows it's, it's a movie. This not, knows it's, it's a movie, a movie, about, like movie about a movie
1: about a movie. More that, like, we aren't... This is ancient magic. Yeah. More that, like, this is too much for us to understand and too much for Wes to understand. It's like he, has, he doesn't have all the answers. But there is... The final scene is that, like, you know, Heather and... uh Dylan Dun. go into this <laughs> crazy like space with torches and it's water. Like a,
0: it looks like a Hellraiser, like Yes, it looks pit very Hellraiser. Fire.
1: Um but very ancient. It has it has that same feeling of like this is where this monster lives. It actually
0: it looks straight up like a Buffy set, to be honest. It
1: does. It does look like <laughs> Buffy. You're totally right. Um but there's lots of splash ground water and there's fire and that's what they eventually do is like they they recreate the Hansel and Gretel story they were talking about earlier and push Freddie essentially like into an oven, um, and they get back home and as they are like tumbling out of the bed in which they I actually had got a lot of um, labyrinth vibes from this yeah oh uh, it's very labyrinth of like I have to go into this like really weird dreamy fantasy scape to rescue my lost child and then when I come back into the world it had it has that feeling of like little kids stories where little kids. Go into a fantasy world, and when they come back, they just kind of like tumble out of their beds. It Again, has that same feel. I
0: don't think that's by accident. This no, is a movie about
1: storytelling. It's very. It has. It does have that fairy tale feel so much. Um, and so they tumble out. They're in. They're on the bed sheets. They're both okay. It's really nice. And then there's a script like sitting next to her uh, that is Wes's script, and written on the script is, "Hey Heather, thanks for having the guts to play Nancy one last time." Uh. Anything else in the note? Something, in the-
0: something like, um... Freddie's Back Where He Belongs or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Freddie's Back
1: Where He Belongs. Uh, and then it's signed Wes. And then you're like... is the idea then that, like, there is no movie. All they needed to do was write the script and act it out. Yeah. That's super interesting to me. I just like... It's wild. It's like... She didn't need to play Heather...
0: Play Nancy. She didn't
1: need to play Nancy on a screen. She just needed to, like be Nancy?
0: And defeat and, Freddy again? And defeat
1: Freddy again, but she has to be Nancy in the way that Heather is Nancy in order to do that, which I think is so interesting.
0: I just want to apologize real quick to all our listeners uh, for tossing out the um, obscure Animorphs-versed character, the Elemist. Uh, no, that's not a thing that people should know about, so don't worry about it. Sorry about that. I'm I worried that by um, hanging a lampshade on it... Uh, <laughs> I'm not making You've it any better. You call more attention to yeah. it than is necessary. Speaking of her playing a part of Nancy, uh, I think that like my other favorite sequence is like the only other thing we haven't really talked about yet. Yeah, it's which is great sequence when Dylan's left the hospital and uh, or he's escaped the hospital. Yeah, we're, they we're, both escaped. <laughs> we don't really talk about that. They escaped the hospital and John Saxon is there uh, because Heather calls him and is like, "Hey, can you meet me at the house? Meet me at my house." So they go back she to She
1: also before that she says um I I know who's been doing this it's Freddy Krueger and he says yeah sure and it's a really like it's an odd moment and you're kind of like oh okay and then he comes to the house I yeah. just wanted to put that in there because it comes up later.
0: Uh and like over the course of I mean we could break this out a little bit but like over the course of a couple minutes they're having a conversation where she's like like Freddy Krueger is doing this and he's like there is no Freddy Krueger Freddy Krueger's dead. Freddy Krueger's dead, yeah. which is a thing people have been saying, uh, because like the character of Freddy Krueger in this world is dead, was killed. Um, people say it a lot when they mean probably like Freddy Krueger isn't real, right. but they say things like "No, <laughs> no, Heather, Freddy's dead," and it becomes very clear over the course of this that like he is
1: we're not we're not in this he's world Nancy's anymore. dad
0: now. Yeah, talking about Freddy Krueger being dead. Being dead. Freddy Krueger, the, like the <sighs> man that he and a bunch of other people killed. Whatever, fifteen years yeah. prior, uh, for being a child murderer. It's an
1: amazing moment because they he he takes her away from Dylan, which is like a really w- weird thing to do. Also, he's like he's like come on, Dylan will be fine, which he probably will not be. It comes across so weird in that moment because like he's not fine, and then I think you just kind of realize that like Dylan can't be a part of the picture because like Nancy doesn't have a child. So they walk but out so front. Walk out front, and he says something like, "This is ridiculous, Nancy." and she says why do you keep calling me Nancy John and he goes why do you keep John- calling me John and it is just like i you just get chills because oh, you're like I why mean, is this there's happening a, there's
0: an explicitly perfect moment where he walks out of frame he like just walks out of the shot and then we see the reverse shot um over turning back around over Heather's shoulder and he's wearing a completely different set of clothes for the previous shot and he's dressed as Nancy's dad and he has a badge and he has his police badge <sighs> and it's just like it's incredible, and then it's we terrifying. cut back to Heather, and she's visibly confused. And then they walk down the pathway a little bit further, and then again, she, or Heather is—we're
1: <laughs> all getting confused.
0: Heather is talking to him, saying goodbye to him in one shot and then we get the reverse shot and now she's in like pajamas, pajamas yeah. and she's killing Nancy and she turns around to face and the house and she says like and it's not her house it's not
1: her house and she says like goodbye daddy yeah she calls him uh she well, calls him daddy she
0: realizes that that's what she has she to she has
1: to say it well, that's the interesting part she's not Nancy she's still heather but she realizes she has to play Nancy and that is so Honestly,
0: the acting good. is fucking excellent you oh. could see like the confusion in her face turn into realization like you could see it in her eyes as she's like
1: the it being a okay. house is unbelievable. It's,
0: it's it's so good. It's honestly it's one of my favorite sequences <gasps> in any horror movie. It's just <laughs> like it's we're bait and switched in like in front right in front of us, and we know what's happening and we understand it, and yeah. it's it's beautiful. It's like watching like a magic trick yes, that you know it how is. it's done, yes. and you're still just like blown totally away. flummoxed by yeah. it.
1: And then she goes back in the house and the, t- the TV is on. It's unplugged, but it's playing that scene from the first Nightmare on Elm Street where she's talking to him on the phone and she says, I, I know who did it. It's Fred Krueger. And he says, yeah, sure. And I'm and like, for me, because I, I didn't remember the specifics right. of Nightmare, but for me, them giving, them giving me like, not just if you are such a big Nightmare fan that you recognized the yeah, sure, the first time that John Saxon said it. Like, that would be great, and it's kind of like, it It, it could just be that, right? Just for, like, mm-hmm. people who know the movie so well, they pick up on those references. But then showing it that second time oh, yeah. to be like, they're in the movie now. I was just like, oh my god, it's so good.
0: It's also worth saying, I mean, uh, I, I'm sure that everyone watching the movie knows that the babysitter's death, which ha- happens in the hospital, as Chase is, like, falling asleep and then he ends up sleepwalking. Uh, Chase, did you say Chase. As Dylan falls asleep, <laughs> uh, the babysitter is is killed, and it's the, like, Freddy's behind her and drags her up the wall up the into wall. the ceiling yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and murders her, which is just basically a recreation of, from the original Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Nancy's friend, right? The, yeah, the yeah. girl. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: Um, and again, it's just, like, excellent. But it's, like, it's literally just, like, an homage to this fictional murder yeah. that took place in this world that the entity of, the, the entity playing Freddy it's like, uh, this is
1: how Freddy kills people.
0: Yeah. I love it. I it's lo- excellent. It's, like, it's so good. There are so many meta horror movies now, and I think that, like, obviously we have nothing but praise for Scream, and we talk about Scream and how much we love it all the time. This, equally for me, just, like, nails what you can do and being an effective horror movie on your own merits, and also being, like uh, like, a meta conversation and, like, meditation on like the franchise of Nightmare on Elm Street and mm-hmm. like horror in general, storytelling and yeah, storytelling. Everything. It's just it's so brilliant. I, yeah. I I don't have enough praise for this movie. Me neither. It's, it's just
1: it's so good.
0: You're talking about some uh, some little trivia.
1: Sure, I love it.
0: I'll, I'll share my favorite piece, which is that um, Johnny Depp um, his his debut was in the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm.
1: Um, There's a nice little picture of him. He's like featured, tiny little way.
0: Yeah, it's just a, a fun little thing that I think a lot of people know that like. Johnny Depp's first movie was Nightmare on Elm Street. Mm-hmm. Um, and Wes Craven, like, w- really wanted him back, but was, like, afraid to ask. He was there, like... Interesting. Johnny Depp is a big, big star He's too now.
1: famous. Yeah, yeah. I think
0: it was, like, this was probably the same year that Ed Wood came out. Yeah. Uh,
1: he was big in the 90s.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, this is post-Edward Scissorhands. Yeah, and, stuff. like, Gilbert
1: Grape was... Yeah.
0: Johnny Depp was a superstar. He was probably, like, dating Winona writer, you yeah, know? Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And then like they ran into each other after this movie came out and um, John Depp was like, "Hey, why didn't you ask me to be? I would have loved to be in it." And Wes Craven was like, "Oh, well, I did I didn't know."
1: <laughs> he would have overshadowed it, I think.
0: It would have been he could have just made a cameo as himself. Yeah. I agree that like if he if they had tried to put him in the John Saxon role, that would be distracting yeah um listen now what
1: we know now about Johnny Depp I'm fine with him not being in it because I, I would have like seen him in it t- like yesterday and been like Ugh.
0: so this movie uh we both agree is absolutely spectacular um I think it's the best Nightmare on Elm Street movie uh the first one is also really good I think the first one just a lot about it works and stands up better mm-hmm. than some of its peers mm-hmm. I think Nightmare on Elm Street is just a good-ass movie
1: and I was shocked because I thought I saw the remake when it in theaters when it came out in 2009 or 10. I can't remember which one it was. Um, but, and I loved it. I was, like, really into it. And I would say for years afterward that I thought it was better than the original. And then I watched it more recently. Uh, and I hate it. Yeah. And I think that the original is 100% better. Yeah. And, like, I don't know why I didn't feel that way when I was, like, 18. But I really... The only thing I like about it, which is that like Wes did originally want um, Freddy Krueger to be a child molester, because it was like a terrible—it's th- the worst thing you could think of. Yeah. And um, they didn't want to do it. I saw. Th- I looked at this earlier. They didn't want to do it because they didn't um, want it to seem like they were capitalizing off of child molestation, because it was apparently a big thing in California at the time. Yeah. Which I get. You don't want to like politicize right. your horror movie villains. Um, but then they ended up doing that for the remake. remake. And I found that to be, like... More effective? Really effective, because then when you, like, that... When the parents go, like, uh, kill him, and there's a long part of the movie where Nancy thinks that the parents were wrong, and how, like, he was just a nice man who, like, they vilified and scapegoated and then murdered, but then it turns out that he was this horrible man, that those twists, like, really, really work for me in the remake, um... But the movie itself is not good, and it's—I it's like, just want like to smush them together and like combine them. Um, but the original really is like so much stronger, and knowing that it's you know Wes and Robert England is like you don't know,
0: you, you don't wonder yeah.
1: why it's it's a better movie.
0: So whether whether New Nightmare is the best or the original is the best, uh, I again I think it's New Nightmare. Um, as much as we love Wes Craven's New Nightmare, it is by far the lowest grossing movie in the Nightmare on Elm Street franchise. That's weird. million budget, it got $18 million back, and there's a very very specific reason for that uh, which is, I mean, on one hand, the last one uh, bombed like, it Mm -hmm. made more money than New Nightmare, but Freddy's dead, everyone hated and so, I don't know that they were like super thrilled about going to the theater to see this. Mm-hmm. It also, um, Wes Craven's Your Nightmare came out in theaters on the same day as a little movie called Pulp Fiction.
1: No. Really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, no. Tarantino v. Craven and Tarantino comes out on top.
0: <laughs> yeah, oh, we no. know how that one turned out. Oh, yeah. And so this this franchise was dead for a very long time. The next um, the next one was om- almost ten years later, which was Freddy vs Jason, which isn't even really a Never no, Street yeah. movie. It's just you know, it's a fine movie, but it's a cash grab. It yeah, is explicitly yeah, yeah. like it's for fun. Let's just let's just let's just throw smush these em. ideas. Let's at just them smush yeah. them together. <laughs> uh, it's it's fun. It's it's got everything wrong with it that uh, big studio horror films of the early two thousands have wrong with them. But, uh, yeah, this, it basically killed it. And we haven't gotten an original one since we had the remake in, I think it was, 2010. Yeah, um, and, and that's fine with me. I think that New Nightmare is probably the best button to put on this Ending. possible. Yeah,
1: oh, it's great. Because then the idea is, right, that like it's still alive, Freddy isn't dead, he's like defeated, the same way that he was in the first movie. But it's not like, Freddy's dead, he's dead forever, no more movies. Right. It kind of, like, leaves it open. As long as the door's
0: open to keep talking about him. Yes, yeah. which
1: we do. We talk we talk about Freddy V. Jason. We talked about the the reboot. We just talked about him he's for an a, hour. He's a cult, <laughs> like we said, he's a cultural icon. He's in Ready Player One. He's, yeah. Ready Player One is keeping that lid shut on, uh, on Freddy Krueger coming into this Thank world. Thank you, Steven
0: Spielberg. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, uh, he really is. He's an icon. He's like King Kong and Santa Claus. And Santa Claus. Just like everyone. All those kids. Everyone knows him. They know
1: exactly who he is.
0: I think that's probably uh that's probably it for us. Mm-hmm. Um If you listen to all this and you still haven't seen Wes Craven's New Nightmare, please go watch it. Yeah. It really is worth it, even with all the spoilers we just gave you. Oh no, it's
1: it's a good it's a good movie to watch also. It's
0: um it's a it's a good it's a good.
1: It's a good. Oh Wes. So we're going to do something a little bit different because this is our anniversary month and we wanted to do something fun and different. Uh, so we're not going to roll the roulette this week. We are going to post a poll on our Twitter. Um, I should even probably see if there's one on our, we can do that on our website. We'll post it in the ways, ways and places we can post it. Um, a few choices. I don't think we have them all down yet, but they're going to be good Better, (laughs) not schlocky movies from Netflix um, that you can decide on. And you can vote on what you want us to do for an episode.
0: um, And then we will do that in two weeks. Yeah, we love, again, we say it every week, we love hearing back from you guys. Uh, We wanted to put, uh,
1: take the power from the roulette and put the power in your hands. Please give us something good to do.
0: Yeah. Listen, we're gonna we're gonna rig it a little bit with uh, only giving you good choices, <laughs> but we want to. Um, maybe I'll
1: do like an other, and people can tell me what they can tell us what they want uh, us to do. That's gonna
0: open it up too much. I
1: like it though. I want to know like I want to know what weird movies people have watched on Netflix that they would like
0: us to talk about. That's actually not a bad. We can have suggestions, and then like maybe we can find a place for them down the road. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so yeah, please, please, please vote. Once that's up. It'll probably mm-hmm. go up a little later this week and mm-hmm. run for about a week. Yep. Um and then we'll do an episode our next episode in two weeks will be based on that. hmm In the meantime, uh I just wanted to to thank everyone for whether you've been listening for uh three hundred and sixty-five days or if this is your first episode. <laughs> um thanks for, for listening to what we do. Yeah, we really, for really around. love it. We really love uh talking about horror movies and mm-hmm. It makes us very happy that anyone enjoys listening to us talk about horror movies. Yeah, or that
1: anybody has watched a movie that we have recommended uh, and also liked it. That means like a lot to us. Please let us know if that's the case, um, if you watched any of the ones we recommended or if you watched any of the ones that we didn't recommend, even though we told you not to watch them, <laughs> and uh, what you thought, because we love feedback and we love hearing from you. Um, so please let us know uh, anything that you have to say to us on Twitter, Facebook, uh, on our website.
0: Uh and you know we're uh, we're heading into October here so um you'll hear from us again a couple times in October yes. but uh hope it's everybody has a real spooky month.
1: Yes. Yeah. Please do. Please have a really spooky month for me. <laughs> for us.
0: <laughs> uh, so that's going to do it for us. Um again, thank you everyone so much. We we look forward to hearing from you mm-hmm. in the coming weeks. Uh tell your friends about Wes Craven and about our podcast. <laughs> Please uh, tell your friends about Wes Craven. Spread the gospel. Uh, and as always, um thank you to Wes Craven. I think Yeah,
1: big thank you to Wes Craven this, this
0: week. This this whole episode is a thank you, Wes Craven. Yep. Uh, but <sighs> but we're uh, we started we started our podcast with a Wes Craven sequel and uh one year in we're we're doing it again. We're doing it again. Um He's thanks master. Uh, thanks Wes Craven for, for everything for
1: Yeah, for letting us have these really, really interesting conversations and for facilitating them.
0: All right, we'll uh, talk to everybody soon.
1: Yep, have a good October, everyone. Stay spooked. (laughs) Stay spooky.